the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report. Glad to have you with us today. My name is Jeremy Stahlnecker. I am your host, and this is the show where we do everything we possibly can to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. I am excited about today's conversation and today's guest. We are breaking into a conversation about something that's very important to me, very important to many who would be in our audience That is our relationship as a nation and our relationship as Christian people to the nation of Israel. Our guest today is someone who's been very involved in developing a series of documentaries dealing with that exact issue. So grateful today to introduce you to and have a conversation with Stephen Briggs. Stephen Briggs, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate it. Um, Man, I'm looking forward to this conversation for a lot of reasons. I want to read your bio, though, before we jump into anything else. So uh, for those that don't know you, and that may be a lot of our audience for sure, um, you are the producer of the multi-award-winning documentary films America and the Israel Effect and Cyrus um, Cyrus Nations UK. You serve as the director of operations for, say that word? Hatikva. It means the hope. You taught me this, and then you even wrote it out so I could see it, and I got it wrong again. Um, A Christian ministry making films about Israel and the Bible and the aim of impacting and equipping the church. Originally from England, I think people could figure that out, but originally from England, you've lived in Jerusalem. Um, There's so much here, man. We met uh, at a conference, I guess, two or three months ago now, and uh, had a great conversation and decided to not do a short interview there because we wanted to spend some time breaking a lot of this down. Um, part of this is talking about the documentaries, talking about the films, but speaking specifically of our relationship with Israel as a nation, our relationship with Israel as Christians, and how important that is. So much rhetoric around that topic in particular, and uh, speaking with you it helped me, and I know this conversation is going to help our audience. So I uh, really appreciate you taking time to spend with us today and help us through this. Well, thank you for having me. It's a privilege. Let's start uh, a little bit with your story. Um, how does one <laughs> come from a filmmaking background, which you do? Uh, how did how did you get into this this genre or this area of interest and focus? Uh, well, how long have you got? <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I'll try and keep it brief. I lived in the UK. I was born in London uh, for my whole child, teenage life. Uh, towards the end of my teenage years, I had I was blessed with praying grandparents. Mm. I think that's the easiest way to say yeah. it. The generations have a have a tremendous impact. And and one Monday morning, I woke up. I was meant to be at work. I was very very unwell. Um, didn't uh, go into work. Nobody else was in my house. And I got a phone call from my grandmother. And she said, Steve, your grandfather and I were praying for you last night, and we thought you should be going to Jerusalem. This wow. is the number you wow. need to call. And um, it was kind of, I was in the midst of, I was doing schools work going in and sharing the gospel in schools in the UK. And 
I put the phone down. I felt fine. I was like, wow, you know, nobody else in my house got this call. And Jerusalem was on my grandmother's and grandfather's radar for me mm. to be going there. And I, I was like, this is very, very random. I've never had a phone call like that before in my life. <laughs> I haven't had one since. And, um, but I uh, trusted my, my grandma and my grandfather enough to know that I needed to follow it up. And um, I called the number they gave me. And that night I was in the gym uh, working out. And I got a phone call about 9 o'clock at night on a Monday morning in the middle of end of June of 2004 from the uh, the individual that had uh, expressed a desire and a need for somebody to come and serve in Israel. And that, uh, he called up an elderly gentleman, says, Steve, can you come to London tonight? I fly to DC, Washington DC tomorrow. And this is the last day I'm going to be in the UK for the rest of the year. And, you know, I was a happy-go-lucky 18-year-old. I was like, yeah, why not? Let's go and go meet this guy, see what sure. happens. I uh, went to London and met with him about an hour and a half, two hours later. It was like walking into... Uh, military interrogation there was two chairs in the middle of the lounge here and here about a meter and a half apart and he proceeded for the next hour and a half to to quiz me is i think the uh, the easiest way of expressing it and um the byproduct of that was uh, he had a witness that i was supposed to be going out to jerusalem but he said the lord needs to confirm it to you and so mm. over the next few weeks that happened um and i initially committed to be being out there for two years and um part of my my remit out there was that i ended up playing rugby for jerusalem um, wow. played in the National League in, uh, wow. in Israel. Sadly, the results didn't always reflect that it was God's rugby team, but you, know, <laughs> you can't always uh, have everything you want. And, um, and I ended up some two years, and then towards the end of that time, we were in Southeast Asia, and I was working with a Bible teacher called Lance Lambert, who presents some of the earlier films and is in these two films as well. Um, and that kind of ties into the film side of things. But uh, I was in Southeast Asia, I remember it clear as yesterday and in Hong Kong on camera and looking over to the mainland and I said, Lord, everything in me wants to leave Jerusalem. Everything in me is done. I don't want to be, I want to be my own boss again. You know, we all have that, that dream and that desire. Yeah. And I said, yeah. if you, if you want me to stay, you've got to change my heart and you've got to give me something that I can hold on to, uh, to ensure that's the case. And I was reading through the book of Luke at the time and in Luke twenty four forty nine, it says, stay in the city. And of course that city it's talking about is Jerusalem. Until you're, clo- until you're clothed with power from on high. And instantly my heart changed. Mm. And I knew I was supposed to stay for another two years. And so I did. It was in those two years I met my American wife, which is why I'm now based uh, in, in the US as a result of a few months ago. But um, we uh, served there for four years until 2008. And towards the end of that time, to keep it, keep it brief, uh, the film producer of a film called Jerusalem the Covenant City came to Lance Lambert's house and said, Steve, what are you doing when you leave in the summer? I said, I don't know. I've been praying about it. He said, I want you to come and work for me. And um, I followed that up a couple of weeks later at the uh, Intercessors for Israel prayer conference. And uh, he said, I never say things like that. It must have been the Lord. Let's pray. And we did. And there was a witness to it. And I began a week after leaving Israel uh, with Hatik for Films on a 10-hour a week retainer. Um, at ten pound an hour, and that lasted five and a half years. And um, that wow. was my uh, the law provided in, in many, many different ways. And we began on a series of films, and this was really what the, the Lord showed very clearly that I was supposed to be involved in, called blessing, curse, or coincidence. And that stems from the the proclamation in Genesis twelve that we'll come on in, in a few moments to talk about in greater detail. But the premise of that that series and that challenge was. Uh, it was originally going to be one film. And I thought I'd be done, year and a half, you know, we'll be done, we'll finish the film, I'll move on to something else. Right. Here I am, sure. 
14 years later, still working on the series and, and continuing to discover more and more evidence for the outworking of God's word being dependable, uh, reliable, authoritative and inspired. And um, I could say it like this, you know, there's a lot of talk in this day and age about artificial intelligence. I'm far more concerned with biblical intelligence than artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You've known it in your gut. Something just wasn't right about the 2020 election. Well, you're right. And here's the proof you've been waiting for. In Dinesh D'Souza's explosive new documentary, 2000 Mules, you'll see jaw-dropping evidence of exactly how the Democrats pulled off the biggest heist in American history. Drawing on meticulous research from election integrity group True the Vote, 2000 Mules uses both cell phone geotracking data and video evidence to uncover a massive network of illegal ballot trafficking in all five key swing states. Enough election fraud to change the outcome of the 2020 election. Thousands across the country attended the nationwide theatrical release. Now, you can watch from the comfort of your own home. Watch on any device with a web browser. Gather friends, family, and skeptics alike, but don't miss it. See the movie that President Donald Trump calls a real blockbuster. Go to SalemNow.com to watch today. That's SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by Salem Media Group. Um, a lot of questions I'd like to ask about what you just said, but we'll get to this topic because this is what I really want to get to today. I could spend all day talking about some of these other things. But America and the Israel Effect, that's one of the, um, uh, the films in the series can you talk about that specifically? This is, and for those that aren't familiar, I guess, with, with who I am as it relates to, to the nation of Israel. I grew up in a very conservative Christian home, and there were a couple of things that were a really big deal in my conservative Christian home. And one was the nation of Israel. I didn't always understand that, um, uh, but my dad, a pastor here in the United States, was very clear and very steadfast on the fact that those who uh, bless Israel will be blessed and those who curse will be cursed, that we as not only Americans but Christians need to honor and value Israel. Um, And that's such an important issue. And yet it's become such a strange um, partisan issue in the United States, which is less important to me than the fact that it's become a strange partisan issue amongst Christians in the United States. And I just don't get it. Um, there's so much there. Can you talk about this particular film, American the Israel Effect? And uh, give us a, an overview, and then we'll dive into some specifics about it. Sure, sure. I do get it. I do get it. It's a spiritual issue, what you were talking sure, about. Sure, there you go. This, yeah, that, that's that, right. That's the unpacking of it. We we tend to want to reduce things to purely physical, metaphysical right. realities and, and not right. take note that there's a spiritual di- dimension to it. To, to come into American the Israel Effect, I had to give a little bit of background because people say, well, what's that got to do? Why America? Why Israel? Why is this where, where have you got this from? In Galatians 3 and verse 8, it says, For Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that's you and I, Jeremy, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, mm. In you shall all the families of the earth be mm. blessed. It's found in, in Galatians 3 and verse 8. And so we have there, for Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Direct quote from Genesis 12, 3. Ah, mm. Genesis 12.3 is the, the beginning of a journey of a people 
and where Abraham is told to leave his family, go from Ur of the Chaldees to a land that God would show him, and he said it would make of him a great nation, and all nations on earth would be blessed through him. Now, within that passage in Genesis 12, 3, and the fact Galatians references it as the gospel, what we have there is a proclamation of the gospel and the means by which it would be outworked, which means both the blessings and the cursings are for the purpose of salvation. Right? Huge. This is why your dad was so concerned about it. Because the unfolding of that progressively is so important to us in understanding that it's not just a, oh, I'm saved, I've got my ticket to heaven. But actually there's a far greater development of what he wants to do with his people across the world in nations as well. And this goes far, far deeper than most Christians want to give any credit to it because it's actually to do with Jesus' inheritance. Psalm 2 says, why do the nations rage and the peoples pull a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. In the Hebrew, that word anointed there is Messiah, saying, come, let us cast away their cords from us and tear their bonds asunder. And then it says, he that sits in the heavens will laugh. The Lord will have him in derision. And then it goes on to say, and this is crucial to that whole of that Psalm 2. Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. And it Mm. also says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance in the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. So the nations are to do with Jesus's inheritance. Interesting, right? And so then when when we took this Genesis 12 and began to look at it and unpack it, and it was over a number of years, we saw in the Hebrew, the two words for blessing are the same. The two words for curse are different. So you have, I will bless those who bless you, same word, but curse him who disesteems you, mocks you, belittles you, and affects says nasty things about you, I will crush, oppose, and destroy. Mm. Two completely different words. Mm. And so has that happened? Well, if we look throughout the canon of Scripture, you've got Exodus, Exodus 1. Pharaoh orders the Hebrew male babies to be drowned. They weren't, but Pharaoh and his men were drowned chasing the Israelites through the Red Sea. Pharaoh's yes. men were drowned chasing yes. the Is it mere coincidence or is there more to it? Haman and Mordechai in the, uh, and, and in the book of Esther, same thing. Haman sets up the gallows. He's the one who ends up mm. on it. He reaps what he has sown. Right. Is it mere coincidences or is there more to it? And so we began to look at this and say, does this scripture just apply to what happens in the canon of the Bible or is it ongoing? And as we began to look at nations and empires, it appears that their rise and their fall is intrinsically linked with how they treat the Jewish people. You see, the Greek Empire is no more, the Roman Empire is no more, the Byzantine Empire is no more, the Persian Empire is no more, the British Empire is no more. Where's the American Empire going to end up? Is it, is it something intrinsically linked to this promise within Genesis 12 and the outworking and unfolding of it that has caused nations to rise and fall throughout history? And if so, then surely we should sit up and take notice and start applying biblical intelligence rather than man-made intelligence to these equations. Uh, There are some very important Christian figures that you talk about in uh, these films, and some of these are are names that I've studied for years, and uh, one of them is William Blackstone, um, D.L. Moody. You talk about Darby. Um, For those not familiar with these names, they need to make themselves familiar, but certainly if you have an understanding of Christian history in the United States, these are names you know. Um, can you talk about these, particularly, I would ask, uh, Blackstone and, and Moody, how they connect to this, this larger story? Sure, yeah. So this, this fourth film that we've been referencing, American the Israel Effect, 
uh, which incidentally is on Salem now. You can watch it on Salem now That's at great. this present moment, and that one on Cyrus Nations UK as well. Or you can find out more information at our website. But America and the Israel Effect is the fourth film in the series. What began as one film has expanded and expanded and expanded. And this film documents America's journey of how she became a nation. Very briefly, we look at that, and we develop that into looking at okay, what? Why was there a restorationist vision? within the church, within the believing community in the U.S.? What was it tied? Well, they believed the book. And as you mentioned, William E. Blackstone, he was a businessman, Chicago businessman, who saw, uh, along with a lot of the other restorationists in his time period, there were a couple of key components that had to happen before Messiah returns. First, the gospel had to be preached to all the nations. Not one nation be left behind. It says all nations. There's a reason for it. And secondly, it, the word of God talks about Israel being restored back to the, back to the land. Those two things were the things that were um, embedded on his heart and so mm. motivated him in, in what he did with his business. He was, uh, founded the Chicago Hebrew Mission, which became Life and Messiah, which is still operational today, just south of uh, uh, on the Illinois-Indiana border. And... Um, his heart and his desire and his uh, mission was to really share that reality. And so he put together a document that was, became known as the Blackstone Memorial, which ended up being signed by 413 significant uh, members of society in his day. And essentially, the, the crux of the message was, we have an opportunity before us to be involved in fulfilling aspects of God's word that have not yet been fulfilled, and we want to be a part of that. And you had the likes of J.P. Morgan, Rockefeller, you had uh, uh, senators, you had um, William McKinley, you had a whole host of people who would end up being presidents of the United States who signed and put their name to this document that ended up being on the front page of the Chicago Tribune. And then it disappeared. Mm. And this petition was, uh, was lost seemingly. And then there was a certain document that appeared in, in Europe by uh, Theodore Herzl and William Heschler called the Judenstadt, which has a remarkably similar uh, connotations to it with regard to the restoration. Was there a direct uh, connection? Who knows? It hasn't been proven right. yet. It, right. it wouldn't surprise me if there is. But Blackstone, Darby, Schofield, and uh, uh, Moody, as you mentioned, all had an understanding that Israel needed to be restored physically and then spiritually preceding Messiah's return. And so the film documents and looks at some of these remarkable events in America's, uh, compared to England's, relatively short history <laughs> that... that uh, actually have played an intrinsic part in how America has developed and uh, America's trajectory internationally. Uh, one of the other groups of people that you spend some time talking about are American presidents and their relationship to the nation of Israel as well. Um, our President Trump, I was going to say our most recent president, we have a president now too, but the one before him, President Trump um, was an outspoken supporter of the nation of Israel and I think in many ways tried to institute policy that would, uh, would help to restore our relationship and make it clear that we are supporters of the nation of Israel. Um, but going back historically, what are some of the positions of presidents, both good and bad, toward the nation of Israel? And, and how have some of those impacted even the security of the nation of Israel over you know, the last 70 years, 80 years? 
Sure. Well, I mean, again, how long have you got? It's it's a bit of a roller coaster in the yeah, sense of some, right. some, the, the, it's the pendulum. The pendulum of American politics swings red, blue, red, blue, left, right, left, right throughout history, and it's you know it's an, pretty well an eight eight year cycle if you like it in that process. But you do have some significant players throughout that. I mean, we touch in the film American the Israel Effect, um, which has already mentioned, can be seen on Salem now on uh, McKinley and Harrison and their understanding um, uh, and role there, you know, the earlier side of things. And you've got Truman, uh, Woodrow Wilson, uh, mm. Nixon, um, all to name name a few. Something's interesting with Nixon, though. Let's just focus on him for a moment. But for, for all intents and purposes, he was an anti-Semitic in his outlook. I mean, Watergate was, uh, was not a great way to end, was sure. it? But is, sure. is that mere coincidence or could it be what he had and what he was involved in in trying to, to hinder some of the things. But there was one instance that was very, very interesting. When Israel was losing badly in uh, a war, which doesn't happen very often, um, he actually sent the, what was needed in order for them to survive. And that goes back to his childhood, we believe, where his mother said, at some point in your life, you're going to have an opportunity to do something for Israel. Don't miss it. Don't miss mm. it. So even though he's purported to be an anti-Semite, and as uh, one of our interviewers says, he was an anti-Semite, there is an instance in his life where he did something that was intrinsically key to Israel's very survival. And so uh, I'd encourage you to see the film to see that. And we go back and look at when the state was created and America's voting um, uh, for the state of Israel to be reborn. Um, that in and of itself is huge because it is another element of history, uh, biblical history, coming back to life. A nation that was dead for 2,000 years, resurrected again. A, a, a language being born again. Can a nation be born in a day? It says in Isaiah 66. And then it happened. And America's president at the time was intrinsically key to that. Alongside, interestingly, the Russian president. Uh, mm -hmm. um, leader at the time because they voted for this because they saw that Israel was going to be a, uh, a socialist enclave, a Marxist enclave in the Middle East. And this, that right. was key to their, their policy. And because they voted the way they did, so did all of uh, Russia's um, uh, smaller states around them, Belarus and the like, were, they, they went that way. And that turned the whole vote and brought uh, Israel into, into being. And then, of course, immediately... They were attacked on all sides by the Arabs who didn't want them there and miraculously survived. It's a story of miracles and uh, miraculous victories. And this film looks uh, at America's involvement in that, in some of those miracles. Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. He created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you and me. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. Sale of the year. That means it's not going to happen again. This is the sale of the year. What is it? For a limited time, you will receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You will receive a set for as low as $39.99. For a limited time, with any purchase, you will receive Mike's soft cover book free when you use promo code SITREP. 
Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. Along with this offer, you will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. For those of you that would rather use the phone, and some of you are out there, you know who you are, call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or MyPillow.com and use the promo code SITREP. What do you say to the uh, Christian community that seems to be divided on this? Again, I think at one point it was assumed that if you are a Christian, you are pro-Israel, you understand the teachings of the, the Old Testament toward the nation of Israel, but more and more there seems to be a divide even in the Christian world uh, amongst the importance of the nation of Israel, the future importance as we come to uh, you know, a conversation of end times, we could talk about that, but the future importance of the nation of Israel, and, and even some very anti-Semitic positions, statements, um, messages <laughs> from fairly conservative, orthodox Christian preachers and teachers. Uh, how do you deal with that, or, or what is your kind of response to, to much of that? Well, I mean, firstly, in, in one sense, my opinion doesn't matter. What matters is what the Bible says. Sure. You know, uh, your opinion doesn't matter. It's what the, what, does, does it line up with the Word of God? Does the Bible give us an indication in our understanding? It, it, it's a fascinating period of history that we live in. And, I, and I, I want to preface what I say by that. This is the generation that the disciples wanted to live in. Mm. How do I know that? Well, I can back it up with Scripture. In the book of Acts, after the best Bible school you could ever be a part of in history, 40 days with Jesus, right? And there is only one question at the end of, the book of, at the end of chapter 1 of the book of Acts, which is actually verse 6. The question the disciples have, not is when are you going to return, it's will you at this time, time-specific, be uh, restore the kingdom of Israel? Sure. That's the only That's question, the question that is yeah. recorded in Scripture after the best Bible school in mm. history. Mm. And how does Jesus respond? How does Yeshua respond? He says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which my Father has set, but you should be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Right. And then he leaves and ascends to be with the Father. Now, this is crucial to us. It wasn't their responsibility. It wasn't their time. But that was the... The key question they wanted. You and I, Jeremy, now live in the day that the disciples wanted to live. Mm. Right? And so we can stand here with even more confidence that God's word is true because the disciples had that singular question that it was going to be restored. That's huge. It should embolden us. It should give us the courage. It should give us the... the, um, the the chutzpah, if you like, to to, <laughs> to hold fast to this to this book, really on every single level. Uh, but how do we then approach it with regard to what's going on in the church? Well, it is described as a mystery. It's not the only mystery in Scripture, but it's described as one of the mysteries. There's uh, 14 of them in the New Testament, depending on how you clarify them. The word mystery is only mentioned once in one chapter in, in the Old Testament, but it's mentioned over and over in, in the New. You've got the mystery of grace, the mystery of faith, the mystery of lawlessness, the mystery of the harlot, the mystery of marriage, um, the mystery of the resurrection. And we have found in Romans 11, the mystery of Israel. Mm. And what you find is people, when they get an understanding or a revelation of one of these mysteries, they, they, they can become arrogant about it, not realizing that there's a whole number of other m- mysteries that they've got to get hold of as well. Right. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1 and 2 says this, Let a man so account of us as ministers of Christ 
and stewards of the mysteries of God. Here, moreover, it's required in stewards that they be found faithful. Ah, most Christians are happy with being a minister of Christ. They want to minister to Christ in worship. They want to minister Christ to others. But they don't take on that second part with the and, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Right, right, right. Once we get hold of one of these mysteries... Because it's not meant to remain a mystery, we have a responsibility to steward it. Mm. Israel is only one of those mysteries. And what you find is actually, we, once somebody hears about it, it puts them in a position where they are uh, answerable for it. You get given an instruction as a, as a child by your parents, you hear it, you therefore have a responsibility to deliver it. If right. you don't, you're being disobedient. Once you have an understanding of a mystery within God's word, you have a responsibility to steward it. Do we fall mm. short sometimes? Yes. Is it something that we can aspire to in getting a greater and deeper understanding? Constantly. But this mystery found in Romans 11 verse 25 says this, for I would not brothers, and this is Paul addressing believers, addressing his brothers, I would not brothers have you ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own conceits that a hardening in part has befallen Israel until the full number of the Gentiles be come in, and so all Israel shall be saved. Right. One verse gives us keys on so many levels. Firstly, Paul's addressing believers. I would not brothers have you ignorant. Right. Secondly, he's telling us that there are believers who are ignorant of the mystery right. of Israel. Right. Thirdly, lest you be wise in your own conceits. That word in Greek is arrogance. There are those who mm. are arrogant or hostile towards the mystery of Israel. Yes. And there's a third position there. It's those who, by the grace of God, have an understanding of the mystery of Israel. And they're all called brothers. Mm. Those who are ignorant, those who are arrogant, and those who have an understanding. So right. this issue is not something that should separate us with fellowship because it's revelation of a mystery in the same way our understanding of the church. You can't leave your umbrella in the church. The church is not a building. Sure. Right. You know, but yeah, but we say it, but actually people say, oh, right. I'm going to, church, right. going to church tonight. No, you're not going to church tonight. You are the church. You happen to be assembling together. And so where this conflict is, and I think it's principally a spiritual issue, is the fact that actually are we submitted and surrendered fully to the word of God? And therefore, are we asking the Lord to reveal these mysteries to us? Or actually, are we hesitant to receive the understanding of the mysteries because we then become responsible for them? Mm, that's good. And what we do with it. Man, that's good. Um it, it really is a spiritual issue, and this is why unsaved people, people who are not Christians struggling with this issue, does not bother me nearly as much as Christians who are struggling with this issue, because we do have outlined for us in Scripture just how important this is to God, and therefore it should be important to us. And even in relationship to it being a mystery, if there are aspects of it we don't understand, the fulfillment, how all of this will play out, and certainly we can't know everything, um, we do need to hang on to, and I've tried to teach this to folks, when it comes to, to the Bible, hang on to what you do know, to what is clear, to what God has revealed. And the things that you don't understand, that's okay, because you're not God. <laughs> but the things He has revealed to us, as you mentioned, we need to steward over and, and hang on to well. And that's yeah, so there's important. No, there's nothing wrong with putting a question mark by a verse in the Bible. That's right. If you don't get, if you don't get it, then that's that's okay. You know, right. all, there's lots of parts that we don't get and we don't see, and we see through. The Bible says we see through a glass dimly, and and to yes. bring it, but but if I can add one verse in from that Romans 11 that's so important for people, this this outworking is is huge because it says um, 
if the in Romans eleven verse fifteen it says if the casting away of them that is the Jewish people is the reconciling of the world that's the Gentiles what shall the receiving of them be that's the Jewish people but life from the dead right mm. now in that one verse again we have something very very profound because what it's telling us. Because of the last word that is used there, life from the dead, that's the same word that's used for Jesus' resurrection, of which you, Jeremy, and I are a consequence 2,000 right. years later. Right. And he right. attributes the restoration of the Jewish people back to himself as having the same consequence as that. Yeah. Now, if, you, if you're really interested and really have a heart for the Lord and the things of the Lord, then surely you should be looking to that end and, and desiring to see that come to pass. Life from the dead once again. What a privilege. What an opportunity. And it's only the mercy of God that the Jewish people didn't accept them, him as Messiah in that day that you and I could even be a part of the story. Right. You know, and, yeah. and so we should be eternally grateful in one sense for that. It's tragic as it was at the time. Actually, it was it was part of God's plan and redemption to bring every tribe, tongue, nation, and people yeah. together to be reflected in his kingdom. That's right. I think it's a, I could be wrong on this. You would know Acts, Acts 14, where the apostle Paul talks about that. It's only because the Jews rejected Christ that the Gentiles have an opportunity to accept. I remember studying that and preaching on that years ago now, and it just hit me. And I, I you know, just in the middle of a message and preaching that said, we should all be so grateful that we've had the opportunity. And in God's plan, it just, it, it, it's different. It, it is different than we sometimes think it might be. And, um, you know, what a privilege it is that we have had that opportunity. Uh, so incredible. Um, it's, yeah, it does. It reminds us. And then, then you have the unpacking of that in another, in another way, practically. I'm just turning to it because I don't want to misquote it. Romans 15, the very, it's the very last uh, penultimate chapter of Romans 15. There's two things in there. One, Romans 15, verse 27 says, yes, it has been their good pleasure and their debtors they are. That's the Gentiles are the debtors. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their, that's the Jewish people's spiritual things, they owe it to them also to minister to them in carnal things. Mm. You know, and this is in the New Testament. Forget, forget, you know, people say, oh, I'm a New Testament Christian. If you yeah, want to play right, with, right. You want to play with less than a, heart, less than a full deck, be my guest. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to win. You know, if you only right. play with just the, 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 um, one to eight, you're never going to win the card game, are you? You've got to play with the full deck. And there's another thing here as well that uh, in uh, verse 8 of Romans 15, it says, For I say that Christ, though the Messiah, has been made a minister of the circumcision, that is the Jewish people, for the truth of God, that he might confirm the promises given to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. You see, this story is a story of redemption, and it's not going to be complete until it's both Jew and Gentile, one in yes. Messiah. And we're called to be a part of it. And that's why this film series is so important, because it ties the gospel right back to Genesis 12, verse 3. And we see this redemptive plan and purpose run throughout the whole book. Now, what's fascinating there, and I often say this to people, you know, we've got big ministries that spend all of their resources talking about the about two, at most three chapters of Genesis, mm. right? On creation, mm. vital right. and important as it is, because right. the most important verse in the Bible is Genesis one one. How many chapters are spent in Genesis on Abraham and his family? Yeah. Thirty eight. Now, if you want to use the, the, yeah. those numbers and think, wow, this is something so important to God that He dedicated thirty eight chapters to tell us Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's story. Yes. And the New Testament reflects that again and again on the story of Abraham and his family and what that means, e even for understanding of faith. As the father of faith, what does that mean? The gospel we think of as a New Testament concept 
delivered to Abraham in the Old Testament um, before we even started counting, right? <laughs> we don't even know exactly when that was. And God's work was at work at that time. What we do know is he saw the full redemptive plan and purpose. And he yes. saw it with offering his son Isaac up. He saw the things. I mean, he looked to the heavens. He saw the stars. He, it says Abraham looked for the city whose builder and maker is God. He knew that there was a city coming. He wasn't content with where he was, but he was so filled with faith that he was willing to leave everything and live in a tent for the rest of his life, knowing that he's going to end up with something that is far more glorious and far more precious. Um, And that in and of itself is something that if we could recapture in the body across America and recapture and recover the history and the passion that the likes of William E. Blackstone, Dion Moody um, and and others... uh, who who took on this challenge of, of restorationism within America in the previous century and, uh, and prior, we'll see a transformation happen. And it'll be very, very exciting to see. I was going to ask you what your hope for this film is, but I think that's your hope for the film, is that that will take place. When you look at the lesson that Americans should learn from this film and the series, uh, what are some of the key lessons that you hope will be learned? Uh, maybe, I, I would imagine Christians are the primary audience, but there are others who are concerned about uh, what God wants that may not be you know, Christians in the sense that we understand that. What are some of the key takeaways you hope people will walk away with? Well, the, the other film that's on, on sale now, and we're not touching on it in a big way, but I think it's the best recent example in history of a nation that was blessed when she was involved in being part of the, the redemptive story in restoring the Jewish people back to their land. That's the British Empire. The hmm. sun never set on it. It was, uh, it was the, is the saying. And now look at it. She's an offshore island of Europe with some very real, real difficulties. And Joel 3, 1 and 2 says, In the latter days, when, not if, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I'll bring the nations into Emek Jehoshaphat, which in Hebrew means the valley where God judges, not because of sin specifically, but it says because they divided my land and scattered my people. Winston Churchill was the chief proponent of that. He took a pen and drew down the Jordan River in Cairo and divided the promised land. In the same year, Ireland took its first steps to becoming a republic. And we've seen division after division after division mm. to the point where um, Barbados took its, took its flag down, lowered the flag uh, a few months ago and, and got into bed with China. And it's happened. The, the division has happened. And that's the lesson of history. You divide God's land, he'll divide you. Mm. He'll divide your society. He'll divide your politics. He'll divide your family. He'll divide everything else because this principle is a principle in his word that we cannot escape. And so the understanding of saying, okay, God is faithful to his word. He's, he's biblically intelligent. I use that phrase a lot because he, he, if he's not faithful to his word, then he's not going to be faithful to you, Jeremy. He's not going to be faithful to anybody who watches this. He doesn't have to be. Now, we've all fallen short. We're all sinners. We're all born of Adam, and, and it's the mercy yeah. of God that he allows us to recover and be restored and, 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 and regenerate us on a day-by-day basis. But the, the heart behind the film is that would people get back into the book and really believe it? Really believe it and look at the history and say, wow, the evidence is clear. It's his story being played out, and I want to be a part of his story. And how do I understand his story and his vantage point? It's by taking hold of what the book says and and operating in it. And there are so many instructions in there. I think, let me um, 
take your viewers and, and listeners to Psalm 122, verse 6, which is so often taken out of context. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, they shall prosper that love you, okay? People take that verse and think, oh yeah, quick prayer and I'm done. But the, the understanding of it, if we look at what's, what's in that uh, passage in Psalm 122, the very last verse says, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your, that's Israel's good. Now, the key component here, what's the house of the Lord our God? Well, it's the church, mm. right? So if we really love the church and if we really love the, the, the body of Messiah that we're a part of, wherever that may be, be it in L.A., be it in New York, be it in uh, um, the Twin Cities, it doesn't really matter where it is. What matters is if you really love it, then you'll want to be involved in, in being involved in what God says will bless the, the body, and one of those things is being involved in restoring and seeing the full, complete picture and eternal plan and purpose of redemption for Israel as well as the nations be outworked by praying for it. And so the film and, and our heart behind it is firstly to say, well, actually, there's an element of America's history that is often overlooked that correlates with her being in a uh, blessed position. She is a blessed nation. She has been since her since her inception. The question and the challenge really is, is she going to stay there yeah. or is she going to lose sight of that um, tremendously privileged position that she's been in, like my own nation has done? Stephen, do you feel like the, the timing of this film, as it relates to global issues that are happening right now, um, it, it seems like that is a, well, I won't say it seems like, I believe in God's sovereignty, so it is, but... Um, a God-ordained timing that so many in the world are looking for truth and trying to understand things in the right context. And, you know, if a film like this came out 20 years ago, people may have overlooked it. But right now, people are trying to understand where are we? What's going on? Why is it happening? Um, what's your response been to the film as it relates to current cultural and global events? Uh, it depends who it is. I mean, the, the, the outworking of the film, I don't, I don't think it's finished its job yet put it that way. I think there's, a, there's a, a lot further that it needs to go and a lot more people need to see it. Is it going to ruffle feathers? Yeah, because it, it's challenging. It's bringing the Bible back into the, the equation and, and we've removed the book from society on every yeah. level, be it the schools, be it politics, whatever. This book was supposed to be involved in our society and when it has been involved in our society, it's gone well with us. And now we're in a situation where as uh, people are starting to wake up and see, oh, hang on a minute, I've stayed yeah. out of politics, I've stayed out of schooling, and I, I'm waking up. What they're trying to teach the next generation is not good. It's not going to yeah. bless our, the next generation. And so if I can, those that have seen it have been like, I never knew that aspect of history. I never yeah. knew that, that role. I didn't realize this was an element of the, of the politicians. And of course, one of the key components that we saw, I mean, the, the, the character of the previous president and, and the moving of the embassy to Jerusalem was hugely significant in the eyes of the Jewish world as well as the, the eyes of America. But that promise, that, that pledge to do that, administration after administration right. after administration right. had deferred it. And he simply said, this is what I've said I'm going to do and I will carry it out. Now that in and of itself is, is remarkable, but he was true to his word on that issue. Now where, wherever you're positioned in that regard, that was remarkable. And, and it, it, so much so that people were alluding to him being a Monday Cyrus. Well, that's a very, very bold <laughs> statement. But the, sure. the process, he was involved in recognizing Jerusalem as God's capital for mm. Israel. And some nations followed too. I hope my nation uh, puts its embassy in Jerusalem. I think it's hugely significant 
for a nation to do that. So where is this administration going to end up? Well, history tells us that this is one of the key components of it. And uh, if, you, if you choose to try and divide God's land, he, he will end up dividing society. And uh, no American should be unconcerned about that. You, you just have to be a good student of history to see that uh, undeniably you don't get away with that. Yeah. Um, but if they want to try, then who's stopping them? Unless the church yeah. is involved and speaking up and saying, this, is, uh, this isn't going to go well with us. And that's the big concern. The situation today within the church is a liberalized agenda on the whole. There are, there are voices across America, but it's where is the, uh, the biblical foundation that's going to keep, keep the church alive and allow the church to grow, grow and prosper, and by implication, the nation as well. That's good. Um, where can people uh, find the film, watch the film, learn more about the film? And for those who are watching this episode on Salem Now... Um, we're going to include the trailer uh, at the end of the film. But for those who are watching and listening, where can they find out more? So the two most recent films, American, The Israel Effect, and uh, Cyrus Nations UK, can both be watched, streamed uh, on SalemNow.com. Uh, just search for American, The Israel Effect, and search for Cyrus Nations UK. You can also purchase the DVD from, from Salem uh, as well. Um, and these are just two of the films that we've done. We've got four films in the Blessing, Curse, or Coincidence series. The one that's... Uh, um, also being done is on Germany and looks at the Nazis. It's called Jacob's wow. Tears. And the first one in the series is called Abraham's Vision. But there's other films we've done around the subjects as well. We've got a whole number on Britain's Christian history and heritage. And they can all be found at hatikfahfilms.com, which is H-A-T-I-K-V-A-H films.com. And um, as we said earlier, hatikfah means the hope in, in Hebrew, sure. which is what we're all about, bringing hope, showing that there is a, uh, a hope that is... Uh, definite and certain it's not questionable it's not i hope i'm going to have deep dish pizza yeah. tonight it's a guaranteed hope right and um and that is that is exceedingly precious that we can hold on to so hatikfahfilms.com salem now and um and you can reach out to us uh, directly if you want to at info at hatikfahfilms.com awesome stephen briggs thank you so much man really really appreciate it thank you for the work that you're doing and uh, i'm sure we'll talk again this won't be the last time thank you jeremy appreciate the time yes sir Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. People get pills because they can't sleep, now they get pills for depression before they know it. they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. I remember talking to a licensed uh, social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went, and I'm glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org.
That was good, other than my yeah, it's fine. falling down there. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so just an outro, and this is something uh, I didn't mention last time. We're also on Rumble. So Rumble, and yeah, again, I don't know. I think it's going to be an easier sell for YouTube, but you can mention Rumble okay. as well. And then stick around and watch the Stick around trailer. and watch the trailer. Yeah, let's just say it. Um, this For America and the Israel effect. America and the Israel effect, exactly. All right, this is Stephen Briggs' outro. Take one. So grateful for Stephen and the work that uh, they are doing. This is such an important topic, and it's important for just so many reasons. We talk about politics on this show a lot. We talk about other issues on this show often. This is not a political issue. <laughs> this is a spiritual issue. It's one that we should all be concerned about and understand. And uh, this film, these films, the series of films, goes a long way in helping us to get a grasp on our relationship to the nation of Israel, what it is, what it should be, what it has historically been, and more importantly, what the Bible says about it. Very, very grateful for that. Stick around. After this episode, we are going to play for you the trailer to America and the Israel Effect. So stick around for a few extra minutes if you are watching, not for those that are listening. For those that are listening, you need to go find a place where you can watch and you can get the trailer as well. But uh, looking forward to sharing that with you. And again, if you are listening and not watching, make sure you're subscribed to your favorite podcast platform. Uh, that means one very simple thing. You won't forget how much you love this show because you do love it. And as the episodes come out, they'll come right to you. And uh, we're glad for that, but you need to be subscribed. Also, if you do prefer to watch the videos of uh, these episodes, you can go to YouTube, search for The Situation Report. You'll find our show there. Subscribe, hit the notification bell. You can uh, follow along, leave us comments, share out from there. That's a great place to do that. Also, we are now on Rumble. So for those of you that are Rumble users, you can find us there as well. So many places. If you can't find us, it's because you're not looking hard enough. Stick around, watch the trailer for America and the Israel Effect, and we will talk to you next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.